Well, it's Thursday, and you're listening to another episode of Days of the New. I am Nick, joined always by my co-host, Kevin. What's going on, Kevin? You know that old joke, uh, hey, is your refrigerator running? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You yeah. better go catch it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, here, here's a fun spin on it. Uh, is your refrigerator not running? Oh, well, you're a poor fucking homeowner, and all your food's gone bad, and now you got to deal with it. Oh, and here's I'm a homeowner. I have so much oh. money that I can afford my own home. Had, had, this was supposed to be great. This is a goddamn nightmare that I'm shackled to. Yeah, I tried to tell you, I used to own a house. It was fucking expensive. This is terrible. I just want to get a bindle and leave it all behind. But then I couldn't do this podcast. I mean, you could. Uh, I listened to a podcast called Baseball Tonight as an ESPN podcast, and the host Buster yeah. Only's like, laptop crapped out because he spilled water on it. I needed to do the show for three days on his iPhone, and this was like ESPN. So you'd be fine. So you... You would just hear the boxcars whooshing by <laughs> yeah, yeah. as I tried to just record at night <laughs> when I hide from the bulls. So we, this is a long time coming this episode, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure how this, uh, this one's going to go. Honestly, uh, today we're talking about the, uh, first and only album by snot, uh, a band mm -hmm. that's universally loved in new metal, but most fans didn't even get into the genre until after their singer, Lynn Strait, was dead. I think I speak for a large majority of our audience that their first introduction to Snot was after Lynn Strait had passed and with the tribute album Straight Up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Snot is the sublime of new metal for more than one reason. Uh, stole it right out of my notes. Yeah. So anyway, we'll just uh, we'll get into this, right? So Snot was yep. formed in Santa Barbara, California in 1995 by singer Lynn Strait and guitarist Mikey Doling. The band's name was reportedly inspired by a dog owned by a friend of the band whose name was Snot. According to Doling, we thought the name was funny, so we decided to go with it. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, yeah. So Lynn played bass in a local band called Lethal Dose and was actually kind of a local <laughs> petty criminal. He had a rap sheet and jail time due to multiple charges, including robbery, weapons charges, and assaulting an officer. He also suffered from various addictions and uh, in his adult years suffered from Tourette syndrome. Yeah, you know, if you told me there was a guy named Lynn Strait who lived in Santa Barbara, I'm automatically thinking, uh, you know, a little petty larceny. Oh, for sure. Maybe flirt with someone like that, like, you know, salt and sea, crystal meth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, and then plays bass in a band called Lethal, Lethal Dose. Dose. With a, yeah, with a pawned bass. Right, yes, for sure. Um, so Mikey Doling's dad was also a professional musician with credits on Motown and Johnny Mathis records. Um, Mikey played in a grunge bag called Chronics with a K and an X. Ooh, double points. But he left to pursue snot because, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot, a lot going on in the Santa Barbara grunge scene. So I hear your son's following in your footsteps. Uh, you could say that. Well, come on, come on. <laughs> tell us about the young prodigy. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's not work like working with uh, Johnny Mathis. Well, he uh, plays in a band called Snot. <laughs> um, so this lineup was rounded out by guitarist Sonny Mayo of the MF Pitbulls and also a band called Silence. He brought along MF Pitbulls bandmate John Tumor Farenstock to play bass. Their drummer, Shannon Larkin, quit the Pitbulls to join Ugly Kid Joe and moved to California. Uh, at some point during this period, G -G -G Garth was recording. Yes. Yeah, he always comes back. It's always a full circle, this guy. Um, he was recording Ugly Kid Joe when he came across the Snot demo tape. So he got 
he doling to get in touch with Larkin, who called Ferenstock and whatever. So he and Mayo hopped in the car and they drove 65 hours from Pennsylvania in a 1981 Celica hauling all their gear all the way to Santa Barbara to join Dolan and Strait. Uh, and then eventually the MF Pitbull's drummer, Jamie Miller, would replace Larkin to finalize the lineup that would make the album Get Some. I do this every episode. It's like, here's a bunch of assholes who you don't know, but I'm going to say their names 10 times anyway. They all work in gas stations and smell like ass. <laughs> the only way I can really put it, because I watched some old footage, everybody's wearing Jinkos and a wife beater. And yeah. Oh, yeah. As was the style at the time. As was, And I struggled with, like, do I want to say wife beater? But a I think it's fine. Yeah, A-Frame doesn't do it, and, like, domestic violence undershirt doesn't yeah, quite no, it's, like it's yeah fine. It's okay fine. yeah it's fine it's not like it it yes it's called a wife beater but it's not like it's called like a ethnic slur attacker <laughs> which it very possibly could have been in 1995 in santa barbara yeah i'm yeah, kind of guessing yeah. it was so from the official snot bio that was on geffen's website that i found in one of those like website capture time machine websites um when asked to describe their band Jamie Miller said, even from what I heard on the early tapes, I knew the band was unique. It's hard and punk, but there's also a light side. Too many bands are too dark and mysterious. And though their songs promote individual freedoms, as evidenced on Snooze Button, Snot doesn't beat audiences over the head with a message. Quote, all these L.A. bands have causes, sneers Straight, who serves as the band's <laughs> lyricist. If we have a message, it's to not take yourself too seriously. All we are is politically incorrect. We like eating steaks. So I don't know what that means. Also, he's going to contradict himself because a there's lot. Like, messages all over this. Tons. The band quickly started to attract a following in the SoCal metal scene and signed to a deal with Geffen Records. Uh, now, nabbing a record contract was a dream come true for some of his bandmates, but mm -hmm. Straight was kind of underwhelmed by the development. His response was, yeah, now I can order cheese on my Whopper. <laughs> I saw that quote. <laughs> and the truth is, while his bandmates were signing their deals at that time, Lynn was finishing a month in county jail where he'd uh, spent a year uh, additionally in the early 90s. Wow. Again, picture a guy, Lynn Strait, throw a wife beater and Jinkos on him. All of this just, it's, it manifests itself. Yeah. Yeah. So the, el the debut album, Get Some, was released on May 27th, 1997. Uh, this album has a widely recognized cover with Lynn Strait's dog, a boxer named Dobbs, balancing a yellow tennis ball with the band's name on it on his nose. Yeah, I love this album cover. It's a pretty good cover, yeah, for sure. Uh, the album was produced by Todd Ray, who went by the name T-Ray. Of Judgment Night fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T-Ray was uh, also known for his work with Cypress Hill, again. Mm -hmm. uh, but he also has credits with Helmet, Korn, 311, Head P.E., Audio Slave, The Beastie Boys, and has Grammy and Latin Grammy Awards for his work with Santana and Oza Motley. It all comes together. He also opened the Venice Beach Freak Show, which was a rad place full of sideshow performers and oddities like living two-headed animals, and was featured on the unscripted reality show Freak Show, which highlighted Todd and his family, and it ran for two seasons before the Freak Show was closed after Snapchat acquired all the properties on Venice Beach and gentrified the hell out of the whole thing. Fucking such a shame. <laughs> such a shame. 
um so the album as a whole was mostly well received uh it has a blend of like metal guitars funk parts thrash and punk riffs and then like sublime-esque moments Mm -hmm. as well Uh, but it definitely is built on the groove rock elements that defined new metal yeah this is not a new metal band in the traditional sense like on first blush they're a punk band. Then there is that uh, groove metal. There's elements of hardcore at play. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, you know, a lot of jazzy parts, which I'm sure we'll get to. It follows the playbook, or actually, it helped write the playbook. Well, yeah, and the kids can play. Yeah. Like, the, the, this isn't Static X. Like, everybody in this band actually plays pretty well. Lynn's mm-hmm. a talented vocalist. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the guitar work is really good. Um, it borrows a little bit of that, like, dub bass, like, reggae kind of, like, mm-hmm. where the kick and kick snare and bass guitar, like, line up. And, like, that stays really efficient throughout the whole album. So um, let's get into the album. Yes. The first song is called Snot. And, uh, Kevin, you want to give me the introduction and... Give me uh, just uh, play me play me a little of this tune. Sure. All right. Yeah. So that's what Snot sounds like for basically this whole album. This song is the new metal version of Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys. No, oh, yeah. no, this is a song about how Snot has a fat sound and they're from Santa Barbara, but, but they're going to come to your town to fuck your daughter. <laughs> That's my note. If the monkeys were going to crush a suitcase of butt ice and impregnate your daughter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, we, 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 we've been doing this show for fucking four years or something. We know, we know what we're doing. Yeah, but you never hear like, we're corn. We're corn. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. Not a lot of people can pull that off. Yeah, I mean, you got to be like homies with your band to do that. There can't be infighting and then you're going to start with snot. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah, I like it too. Um, they definitely try to show what their whole sound is on this track alone. It's a thick bass tone, solid groove drumming, abrasive guitars, and straights like shouting, rapping, singing style over the top. Yeah, this was... Uh... When did this come out? 98? 97. 97. I feel like at 98, 99, there were so many bands that sounded like Snot. Yeah, there there were. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like new metal bands. I'm talking about like this. Hardcore. It sounded, I mean, this sounds yeah. like that intro sounds like the shape of punk to come. Like it yeah. sounds like the refused or something. I wonder. I mean, it, a lot of people today give Snot, uh, you know, their props for helping craft this sound and i'm wondering how much that reverberated like immediately after them but agreed it's conjecture anyway yeah all right the next song is called stupid and it's spelled s-t-o-o-p-i-d because of course it is yeah why not not much has changed from the first song to this one but this one's a little bit of a rage against the machine ripoff and i'm starting to realize in their riffing and guitar approach there's a lot of tom morello in here Oh, yes, there is. And this introduces the snot formula as much as one can have a formula on your debut album and the only album you've ever made, which is they lead in with like a jam groove and then they drop into a mosh part. And there are a million songs like this because the formula works, apparently. I can't stand it. But listening back to this album, it's crazy to me how much clutch sounds like snot oh yeah that's that's a good call too and like all of their introductions are like incubus meets sublime yeah 
They would have to win me over if I ever saw them live. They would have to win me over live. Should we just play that in the intro so they know what we're talking about? Yeah. As the, as is the custom, we'll play parts of like the first three songs, and then you won't hear shit again unless something's funny. <laughs> Right there, I'm already checked out, but we'll keep going. Oh, yeah, but up, up. yeah I'm, I'm completely fucking checked out. Right, but listen to this one. If we don't take action now, we'll settle for nothing later. We'll settle for nothing now. It's just so ragey, too. So much wah pedal. It's an aggressive use of wah pedal. It's so why. So rage. So it's rage. Super, super ragey. Uh, the bridge on this is fucking incredible. You mean the part with the meth scat? So good. Yeah, but it's also the missing link between corn and disturbed. One day, David Draymond was like, I've heard my sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, this overall is a song lyrically about people being blinded by hate, but I was definitely thrown off by the lyrics, spray the masses with gunfire, and I need to exterminate the queers. Yeah. That's, that's basically uh, our life. Uh, yeah. in uh, America in 2023. Every day, someone sprays the masses with gunfire and you can't turn on Fox News without hearing somebody talk about exterminating the queers. <sighs> yeah. Also, fuck you, Dominion, for backing down. Oh, yeah, we just found out, I think, a couple hours ago that Dominion settled their lawsuit with Fox News. I mean, I get it. They, the money they're getting from Fox News is like 10 times the valuation of Dominion, and they have to go out of business because no one's going to like buy their voting machines. But fuck, dude. Now Fox News can... It's, it's like less money than they made from their cable contracts last yep. year. So like, this is just a license to be like, fuck it. We'll keep all our ad revenue and whatever we get from the cable companies, we'll just pay off in lawsuits and keep spouting inflammatory bullshit. Yep. Cowards. Cowards. Anyway. Uh, anyway, the next song is called Joyride. I love this song. Joyride is Bronxy. Yeah. I cannot imagine how many speeding tickets are a direct result of this song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this song is it has like clear nods to hardcore punk music. It's got driving guitars and drums. It has like a whoa part. Mm -hmm. Lyrically, this is a song about Lynn grabbing his 44 caliber handgun and getting to his car and hunting someone down while drinking. It also has a ripping guitar solo. Nine out of ten for me. Yeah, no, I've in a genre with no no solos. Here they are tearing it up and we get a go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. So, yep, no notes. This song shows the band can blend styles and that they can actually play their instruments. Uh, this song made me like Snot more. Yep, same. The next song is called The Box. And this song <laughs> is comparing being hooked on television to being in jail. Uh, apparently, Lynn Strait is an expert in both of these things. So we, we go back to like the jam band verse with the heaviest fuck chorus. And for a band named Snot, We've already got one song denouncing bigots, and now we've got another one discussing the damaging effects of TV being used as a stand-in parent or babysitter. And mm -hmm. like, I like 50% of this song, and it's all the heavy parts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. But 
Lynn has such an incredible scream and it's really evidenced on this song. It just makes it like when you get these amazing breakdowns and you really just hear like the rawness, the raw power in his voice, it just makes it all the more kind of a bittersweet listen. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, we'll move on. Uh, the next song is called Snooze Button. <laughs> and it resonates today as much today as it did then. It does. <laughs> uh, so Snooze Button opens up with a gigantic Rage Against the Machine ripoff for its intro and samples an alarm clock. In fact, like again, this whole song is kind of a giant Rage ripoff. The riff, Lynn screaming, wake, wake up. up. Five years after Rage released an album with a song called yeah. Wake Up. That said, it's still good. It's not as good and innovating, even when ripping off someone else. Just for fuck's sake, turn the wah pedal down. There's, there's too much wah. There's on too this much wah. Uh, ultimately, this song's about government overstep and taking away rights and how people just roll over and go to sleep and let it happen rather than like fight back or whatever. Yeah. But like, we like to be offensive and eat steak. Right. Yeah. <laughs> shut up, dude. Uh, the next track is called 313, and it's uh, just a little tiny, like, earwash instrumental track. Yep. We don't need it. Yeah. I, I actually, I kind of like it. Um, there's three instrumental tracks on this album, and I think they, like, kind of break the album into chapters, but also, like, I think they're probably just, like, warm up sessions. Like, the bass player was just doing a groove, and then the guitar player came in, and then the drummer sat in, and they were like, dude, we should put that on the album. And it just kind of became a thing. Not essential, but I'm not mad about it. Yeah, we got to get to that contractually obligated uh, track amount for... Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they got there. Yeah. Um, the next song is the title track, and it's called Get Some. And I thought that it was going to be another instrumental track after 313, but around the one-minute mark, the vocals come in. It has a really quiet verse structure and a super loud abrasive chorus, and it explores religious themes. I think this one can go a couple different ways, however you want to take the lyrics. I mean, I got like Lynn maybe questioning a faith that he might have once had, but I also can't tell if he's talking about like, violence and wants and needs, which may include sexual violence. Uh, they, they, is, just yeah. let me answer this for you. Lynn's doing the drugs and he's mad at himself and he's mad at God, but he's still doing the drugs. The end. Okay. okay. All right. And, and holy fucking tropes, Batman. There, there's yeah. a sickness inside me. I got to show you my pain. It's yeah. it's all there. Yeah, there's, we're gonna yeah. get to the main the main yeah. metal trope by the end of this record. Yeah, but Lynn likes uh, the drugs. He does. The next song is one of the weirdest songs that I've ever heard on a new metal album. <laughs> this song is called Deadfall, and it's just literally describing the plot of the 1993 Nicolas Cage film Deadfall. But you would never know that because it sounds like this. If you're wondering, like me, what the fuck is he saying? It is, well, I killed my dad in a con gone bad, nearly drank myself to death. Oh, but when he died, he said Lou had the cake, so I caught a bus heading west. I saw the numbers running through a small cafe, and I knew I'd find my Uncle Lou. Then when Eddie stepped up, he said, pick a card. Said, shape the con before it shapes you. So... It literally, like, he just says quotes from the movie, like, things that are going to make no sense to anybody. Can we talk about this movie real quick? Oh, yeah, sure. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 0% from critics and a 25% from audiences. Here's three minutes of, of 
Nicholas Cage in Deadfall just losing his shit. <laughs> was no stunt cocaine on set uh yeah and i mean and clearly this is a uh, nicholas cage went on to have a long career after this being the benefit of being a coppola and changing his name because holy shit no one else would ever work again after this piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> well who's sitting behind the fucking desk now me i'm behind the fucking desk now me Jesus Christ. Well, anyway, apparently it's not liked this band so much that they made a song about it. And if you go to the two minute point of this song, it, they yeah. turn into Primus for a minute. It's a weird fucking song about a weird fucking movie. And uh, for whatever reason, it made the album. The next song is called I Just Lie. This one's pretty new metal. Big groove guitars. But we, we get there. We get to the we number get there. one misogyny trope of new metal. The lyrics are about the singer's lack of sexual prowess and how he used his sexual partner for his own pleasure and not hers. She's apparently not real happy about it. Yeah, uh, you know, it's definitely misogyny, but different in that he recognizes it and calls it for what it is. And just like, I, he has this super theatrical delivery that I love and is in this role of just talking about what an absolute piece of shit he is. Yeah, it's like, I just lie, just lie, just lie, just to fuck you, I just lie. But the worst lyric in the song, oh, God. he goes, as soon as my dick does your mouth, you're going south. <laughs> Which is so just poetry. I don't know, man. It seems like maybe Lynn Strait wasn't the good dude that everybody remembers, but also the 90s were even more of a fucked up time to be a woman, it sounds like. Jesus. Really and again, imagine the, the board execs just sitting at Geffen here. As soon as my dick goes in your mouth, you're going south and going, <laughs> so what do you think the sound scan on the first week is going to be for this one? <laughs> I don't know. Send it. Uh, all right, the next song is called Get Some of These, and it's just another little instrumental track. Get Some of These Halloween Ghost Guitars. Yeah, oh, it's totally got ghost guitars. That's in my notes, too. Yeah, yeah it's it's another jam. Just It's fine. It yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, the next song is called Unplugged, and this one opens up with like kind of a chug intro, but it's got a disco beat, which would go on to shape the corn album that came out after this. Mm -hmm. But uh, the vocals come in with the lyrics, there ain't no room for us in your alternative nation in Lynn's very best Glenn Danzig voice. You know you got signed, bro. Right. You're, go you're going on Ozfest. Yeah, like, yeah, you're on a major label. 
Yeah. Um, it's... The, the main lyric is rape the hearts of us, the artists. You reap the benefits. Your pockets, they get fat while our souls bleed. You're getting away with murder. Son, you failed to read the fine print. You, you did this. You, yeah. You did this. Did, did you write the song before you did this? Because you did this. <laughs> it's a thing you did. There you go. And again, the board execs going, you think he's singing about us? Right. They don't give a shit. No, they don't give a sells. shit. <laughs> um, we're, in, we're in sort of, you know, the, the weaker part of the album, but it's still interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. The next song is called Takato. Singing about the drugs. Yeah. And while not very catchy, this one's pretty good and lyrically solid. It talks about the slippery slope from beer and pot to withdrawing from heroin in a jail cell. We've all been there. Yeah. You know, who has it's an average Saturday over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like all these albums need the drugs. Even if you haven't really been on the drugs, you got to get on them. The time. It was the time. It was the 90s. <laughs> the next song is called Mr. Brett, and we have ourselves an old-fashioned diss track. Do we ever? You want to get into it? Yeah, so this track is about Brett Gurwitz, who was, uh, they put him on blast for leaving Bad Religion to focus on his record label Epitaph, which is one of the top three most important punk labels of all time. Would you agree? Yeah, oh, easily. Yeah. But what a fucking sellout that guy is. Yeah, total sellout. Total sellout. You know, being home to some of the best punk and hardcore bands ever. But, you know. Right, creating uh, a home for a place where no one else would sign them. Like, literally, like, the song Unplugged, where he sings there's no room for us in your alternative nation. Like, that song was an attack on both the music industry and record labels that, like, there's no room for us because, like, grunge is cool. But, like, then you're going to talk shit on Brett Gerwitz? All right. So, I mean, obviously, this song is a very stupid take. It's also my favorite song on the album. Just It for has the sounds. very most catchiest chorus on the whole album. It really does. We should play that. punk rock old guy <laughs> he's, like, he's like 32 or something right. like that right it's what the fuck <laughs> it's also this was in an era where like punk points actually meant something i just imagine brett hearing that and being like what the fuck dude i just put out and out come the wolves two years ago <laughs> everybody loved it there's always going to be a critic there's always going to be a critic and they're on geffen <laughs> yeah yeah right no shit that's funny the next song is uh, called what, Get Some Keys? Get Some Keys. It's And I think per- it might be smooth jazz. It is perfect hotel lobby music. Yeah, it's like a little drum and bass and organ tune, and I kind of like it. Yeah, here we go. It's yeah. real nice. I'm taking a walking. I just got out of my elevator in my hotel, and I'm walking over to get a little bourbon on the rocks at the hotel bar. Oh, hello there. Can I interest you in any of our dinner specials, or will you just be having a drink? It's exactly what this is. But what it really is, is just a little bit of like disarmament before they kick us right in the balls. The next song is called My Balls. My Balls, your check! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's how that starts. Put this song in the Library of Congress. (laughs) Hanging in the Louvre. This song is is perfection i love this song this song 
I think could make a strong case for replacing the national anthem. Oh my god! At all sporting events, imagine it. You get like one side of the like one side of the audience. My balls, your <laughs> face. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean it's pretty. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, it's pretty. It's pretty gross and misogynistic. It's got the lyric, but don't talk so loud because you know this thought's not allowed. I know you're all the same, and you're also fucking lame. And we're not gonna play those games, ho. Where do I begin? You know you just can't win. Only when you have my balls on your chin. I yes, I need to uh, retract what I said just a moment ago. <laughs> it is my balls, your chin. It's mm. important that we respect the artist's vision. Right. On a song like this. Wow, well, right. Because if the balls are on your oh, chin, where, where does the dick go? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know? But if you, you got your balls wherever you want, if it's on their face, but if it's on their chin, there's a very specific thing happening to them. <laughs> <It has to. laughs> Ball placement is important. <laughs> I love this song. I can just imagine this is how you work a crowd. This is how. When I say my balls. You say your chin. Try it out, and this is how you this is how you get the crowd amped up. Maybe you do the thing where you part the seas. Yeah, you've got, yeah. It's 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 a perfect song. I would want this played at, at weddings, at parole hearings, <laughs> at uh, everywhere. Let's play a little more of it. Can you imagine Sonny Mayo walks in? He's like, guys, I got the riff. Check this out. And Lynn's just like, my balls, your chin. That's, I thought those were placeholder lyrics, but we're, that's what we're going with to close that's, that's, out the album. That's what ended on the record. So. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's get into what happened next. Uh, do we have to? Yes, we do. And it's probably going to go in directions that you don't even know what's coming. Mm. After the album dropped, Snot was asked to join the 1998 OzFest tour. On July 9th, while on that tour, Strait found himself arrested in Massachusetts <laughs> after climbing out of the giant toilet bowl Limp Biscuit had as an onstage prop completely naked. He uh, ran over to a dominatrix, who is a dancer on the stage, and uh, forced her to simulate blowing him, and then he was chased off by police and security. He ran to hide in the closest dressing room, which happened to belong to Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> While sneaking into the room, he accidentally let out the singer's two tiny dogs. And when he realized it, he ran back into the hall to find them and was immediately apprehended by the police. If anybody's going to understand that, it's a man who snorted a line of ants off the sidewalk. <laughs> Uh, around this time, the band also had their song, Absent, placed on the soundtrack of that real fucking weird D. Snyder movie, Strangeland. Real fucking weird. Before the band could finish recording their second album, Tragedy mm -hmm. Struck, mm -hmm. when guitar player Sonny Mayo left the band to go play on Vanilla Ice's new metal record. Oh, didn't see that coming. Holy shit. Okay, that's not the tragedy that we're going to talk about, but that part actually did happen. Sonny Mayo was on to the extreme or whatever the fuck we covered it in season one it's a good episode go back and listen if you didn't know vanilla ice made a new metal record including a new metal cover of ice ice baby go back to uh, maybe it's close to the end of season one it's one of my favorite episodes we ever did <laughs> but the real tragedy is that lynn Strait and his dog dobbs were killed in a car accident 
Um, mm. They were hit by a truck. The band immediately broke up with uh, Mikey Doling stating that they can't go on without Lynn and it's bullshit when bands do that. Mm-hmm. However, on November 7th, 2000, Snot released a tribute album called Straight Up that featured the songs designed for Snot's second album, but had the lead singers of other new metal bands step up to handle vocals, with appearances from the singers of System of a Down, Korn, Head P.E., Soulfly, Incubus, Seven Dust, Limp Bizkit, Cold Chamber, Slipknot, and Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. This little album hit number 56 on the Billboard Top 200. Yeah, and like I said at the top of the episode, that was my introduction to Snot. It was the sublime effect. Oh, definitely. In July 2002, the band released Snot Alive, a live recording from a show at the Palace in Hollywood, California uh, from May 1998. And it actually hit number 12 on Billboard's Heat Seekers chart. Oh, wow. And the story could have ended right there. But the band reformed in 2008 with Tommy Vexed on vocals <laughs> after he was kicked out of Dino Cazares' led band Divine Heresy. For those that don't remember our mosh pit on Tommy Vexed, here's him in a clip talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, Jesus. Unrest. As these people are protesting, these professional rioters and looters start setting fires. They burn cop cars. They set up brick pallets. They destroy public property. And they stay in the shadows and hide behind and make it look like Black Lives Matter and African-American culture as a movement is unruly, violent, and insane. The media then fucking films all of this shit, and this is all you see in your entire feed. But George Soros and Ted Turner and fucking Turner Broadcasting and the Rockefellers oh and the fucking list goes on the Rothschilds. The movement is founded by the Jews. <laughs> That's what Tommy's trying to tell you. He's, and since you can't see it, it's really important to note that he has a bunch of dry erase markers and like the lone highlighter and is trying to explain by moving around in no way, shape or form, all of these markers on a table to show you, well, here's George Soros and here's Black Lives Matter. Here's Antifa and this yellow highlighter is Fox News, the only standard of truth. It's really, when you break it down, it's anti-Semitic New World Order conspiracy. I don't know, man, let's just hear what he has to say, hang on. They own most of these media companies And the media companies are making billions of dollars by advertising because everyone's transfixed to the news and everyone's talking about it. So what happens is is that the same people who instigate the event and organize the protest and escalate the protest make money off the African-American community's outrage. Who else do you think is to blame? (laughs) While all this is going on, Hillary Clinton and her buddies are all on trial. No, there it is. There it is. Yeah, remember this? This is like deep in the middle of the, the pandemic. Like, well, Hillary, Hillary's really on trial. So hang on, he's gonna explain this. They don't want this shit on the news. So this is a huge gaslight and people are not paying attention to what's going on. Now, why would they wanna do all this? Because they're afraid, first of all, that she doesn't get her appeal and she has to testify. She might be found guilty in a court and then be found, be found guilty of treason, which would mean she would either get jail time or she would be sentenced. That's probably enough from Tommy. Can, can you imagine being stuck in a 15-passenger van with this guy? That's what I'm true. saying, man. Like, like, unbelievable. First, I would throw all his little markers out the window. 
And then I'd throw myself out the window. Dude, it's unbelievable. Jesus Christ. Tommy. Tommy. Tommy, Tommy fucking vexed. Um, yeah, it should be noted also that Tommy uh, identifies as black. Uh, so he's got, got he's fallen into some interesting conspiracies. But anyway, the band with Tommy recorded three songs and then kind of fizzled out. Uh, a few years later, they played four shows in SoCal. I'm pretty sure opening for Mudvayne, but I, was, I had a hard time confirming it. But they teased the idea of a new tour. Uh, that never happened. Tommy Vexed leaves to form a super group, big finger quotes, <laughs> called Westfield Massacre, uh, in which no one knows the names of any of his bandmates either. But also Westfield Massacre sounds like what happens in the food court bathroom of your local mall after eating <laughs> at the Panda Express. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tommy will also go on to be kicked out of every band he starts after this, most famously Bad Wolves, after his crazy, unhinged, anti-Semitic rant uh, in an action vexed referred to as cancel culture. Uh, meanwhile, Tommy recently had some tweets about Bud Light, and you just you just know. Uh, you know Tommy where that's going. Is, yeah. Whatever. Uh, at this same time, Cummings and Mayo leave the band to focus on their new band, Tons, of which I've never listened to. Jamie Miller went on to join And You Will Know Us by the Trail of Dead and funnily enough is currently the drummer of Bad Religion. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Yeah, punk rock old guy. <laughs> Sonny Mayo was in Seven Dust for a while and then joined uh, his old friends in Ugly Kid Joe. Pretty sure he's still in that band. I can't believe Ugly Kid Joe's still a band. I don't understand it either. I mean, it's the weirdest goddamn thing. As for Mikey Doling, he was in Soulfly for a little while, but more recently is uh, real mad at Limp Biscuit. I quote from the July 15th post from Blabbermouth how pissed he is that Limp Biscuit is touring with a rapper named Snot, except the S is a dollar, dollar sign. sign. I've always wondered what snot actually sounds like. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You know those reaction videos where it's like, you know, black teenager hears Queen for the first time <laughs> and like starts tearing his room apart and flipping over <laughs> chairs and be like, this is the best fucking thing This shit ever. goes hard. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, old white guys um, <laughs> react to snot with a dollar sign. All right, Nick. Uh, what's the song going to be? Go, go. Uh, just how about uh, third one down? All right, that's a uh, Gosha. Yeah. All right, here we go. This song is two minutes long. Eighteen <laughs> seconds in <laughs> is this. All right, is he gonna rap? Yeah, this is going to get me fired up before the biscuit show. <laughs> hey, it's not for us. Right. Uh, we are not the target audience. We are not that target audience. So Dolan said what happened was that Limp Biscuit. first of all, they're friends of Snot from 25 years ago. We were close with them. Lynn and Fred were buddies. Then Lynn passed away. Fred's even on straight up. And then all these years later, this rapper guy comes out calling himself Snot. And I'm already like, wait, what's going on here? And unfortunately, time passed and we had one record. We weren't quite big enough to fight him for that name. So I just kind of let it go because it was a different genre of music. It's hip hop. He's a black dude or a bunch of white boy fucking rockers. I just thought it was two different worlds. And then all of a sudden fucking Limp Biscuits taking Snot out on tour. I'm like, what? How dare you, Fred? Snot responded with a tweet like, 
these, these fuckers are serious. And uh, I don't <laughs> think Fred ever said anything. Snot has been broken up longer than snot dollar sign has been alive. Mm-hmm. And you're going to fucking go after this kid who's getting his first opportunity to go on tour like with a band of some notoriety. Uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a stupid take. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. And it, it was just kind of a bummer. Like, dude, you could have just said nothing and it wouldn't have changed anything. Well, anyway, that's, a, that's the story of Snot. Yeah, it's a short one, but it is absolutely an important entry in the new metal annals. I believe, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, I believe that if Lynn Strait were alive today, that Snot would have transcended that uh, new metal label and they would be an important band in their own right that we're still talking about today that would still have drawing power and would probably still be active i really think that they they were that band yeah i agree with that take yeah it's, um, a, it's just a bummer all around thanks for the memories lynn or as nicholas cage would put it oh my god anyway Kevin, this is the part of the show where you tell me what music you've been listening to lately. I have been listening to Zulu. Yeah, Zulu's weird, man. A friend of the show, Chris, turned me on to them. And as we see more representation, heavy music, uh, Zulu, it's uh, all black. Uh, you've got you know both men and women uh, in the band. It's the way that they approach heavy music is just... I've never heard anything like it. Just overall, I love to see heavy music going in this way. And uh, as as I like to say, the, the kids are going to be all right. So this is Life is a Shorty Shouldn't Be So Rough from Zulu off the album A New Tomorrow. So that's Life is a Shorty Shouldn't Be So Rough by Zulu off the album A New Tomorrow. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. That's a, yeah. that's, I like that song a lot. All right. Uh, this next one is one I'm real excited about. Um, everybody knows that I'm a huge Every Time I Die fan. And finally, this is the new Every Time I Die band. Obviously, the band had a huge rift. Keith Buckley's out. Jordan Buckley started this new one. So this is uh, Better Lovers featuring uh, Jordan Buckley on lead guitar, Will Putney from Fit for an Autopsy on rhythm guitar, and then um, Mitch and Goose uh, from Every Time I Die on bass and drums, and on vocals, Greg Pusciato from the Dillinger Escape Plan. Holy shit, okay, I have not heard this yet. This just came out yesterday, so uh, this is uh, 30 Under 13 by Better Lovers. Fuck, all right, let's go.
Oh my god. Yeah, pretty ferocious. So that's uh, 30 under 13 by Better Lovers. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the best thing about the Every Time I Die Breakup, which is the worst thing, because I wish yeah. that that band could go on forever, is we're going to get three bands. Keith Buckley's starting a band, um, or we'll be doing something solo. Uh, he's still one of my favorite singers and lyricists ever, even yeah. if he may be off the deep end right now. And then This Is Tight, and then um, Andy... Um, who's also known as the the butcher if you watch AEW wrestling. Um, he's uh, reunited with Rat Boy, uh, an old drummer from Every Time I Die, and they're starting a band as well. So like we're gonna get three projects out of this. Um, Hell yeah. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, that's it for us this week. You can find us uh, on Instagram at days of the new. Uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram at Nick underscore the underscore knife. You can find me on Instagram at K-J-D-E-L-U-R-Y. You can't find me on Twitter. I fucking deleted Facebook. I'm just not fucking with it. I like my life. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Instagram. I hardly post anymore. I'm getting old. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I still, you know, I do a little bit of the tweeting, but not very much because it's, it's just an awful app now. But, uh, you know, maybe you'll find me on Truth Social next week. Uh, at Tommy Vexed. <laughs> Get your markers ready. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week with another Mouth Fit. Days of the New is a production of the Palm Springs 86. We fucked down. We fucked down. <laughs> you were there. <laughs>